Hello everyone, my name is Ron Small and welcome to SpotCast number 10, which you can find on SwayProductions.com and on iTunes. I want to apologize for the infrequency of this show of late. I've been uh, doing a lot of back-to-back producing and directing projects uh, for my company, so I haven't had the time I'd like to, to put into getting these out there. I'm doing my best to keep these coming on a regular, at least once every two weeks schedule, and I have a couple shows coming up within the next week or so to make up for the lost time, so stay tuned. Uh, before I get started, I wanted to, uh, to talk about an email I got from, uh, from David a couple days ago who asked me about the inclusion of Peter Atencio as a guest on the show. Uh, not in a critical way, I don't think, uh, just wondering, as Peter hasn't directed any commercials and, and this show is uh, essentially, uh, for the most part, about commercial directing. I wanted to discuss that briefly, as I didn't intend for the show to be solely about commercial directors, though that's kind of what's been happening thus far, and I think uh, the reason for that has a lot to do with the the kind of guests I have access to, uh, as well as my own interests. However, um, I am interested and, and have some interviews lined up in the near future with, uh, with some ad agency creative directors in order to get their perspective on things as well as some directors who are doing some really interesting short-form content that don't necessarily uh, fit under the um, advertising umbrella in a way that you would, you would typically see. Uh, which brings me to, uh, to this show's chat with Lucia and Yellow, who, uh, who really has only directed one what I'd call ad. Uh, Lucia directed the Dollar Shave Club intro video, uh, which if you haven't seen, turn this off uh, right now and, and just go to YouTube and, and put in uh, Dollar Shave Club or, or click on the link in the show notes. Uh, just watch it. It's, it's really well made. It's really funny and very effectively sells its products and company. The day the video was launched, it became so popular that the Dollar Shave Club website shut down due to the amount of traffic from the video. And at this point, the company has gained over uh, 20,000 subscribers. Uh, what's so fascinating to me about this is, uh, is this video just appeared online out of nowhere and kind of uh, immediately seemed to go viral, uh, which is, is super rare, especially from an ad. A lot of the overt ads that tend to go viral are, are Super Bowl ads uh, that are put online after they've aired. This just immediately went viral. We begin with a discussion of the Dollar Shave Club video. Here is Lucia and Yellow. So this week, a video for the startup Dollar Shave Club, uh, which you wrote and directed. I did direct it. Um, uh, Mike wrote it, um, <laughs> and I helped him write it, is what I will say. Okay, so Mike, Mike Dubin, the, the star of the video. Yes, Mike. Right. And so, so this was unleashed online and has, of, of this recording, I think been viewed about like two and a half million times. Yeah. Uh, which, which is obviously an amazing achievement. I mean, congratulations on that. Yeah. So take a bow right now, please. <laughs> how did this project come to you? What was, how, did the, uh, how did you meet Mike? Mike, I knew from New York, from UCB. Uh, he had done a bunch of classes and he was... He had taken a sketch class uh, with some friends of mine, and they wanted to put the show up at UCB, and so I directed their spank, which is a thing that you do in New York as like an audition for a run for the show. The show did not get a run, but um, I then met Mike through that way, and then since he kind of was involved with this sketch video group called Landline, which I had also kind of done some stuff with here and there. And so I knew him, you know, like he was like a, a friend 
a friendly acquaintance. And then I ran into him here in LA about two years ago before I moved. And uh, we kind of had always just kind of kept in touch. And then he uh, let me know he was doing the startup over the summer and that he was looking to do some content for it. And so uh, we just talked about what, you know, what he needed to get across and what I thought would be a good way to get it across. And we kind of just, you know, uh, collaborated on the project. Uh, we shot it in the warehouse that the sh razors are actually held. Wow. Actual CEO, Alejandra, is actually the person who ships the, or who packages them and puts them together. Mm -hmm. um, it was a very, as you may or not be, be able to tell, uh, very low budget. We made it for, you know, $4,500. I brought on my crew, my producer. Um, we made it super, super dirt cheap. And we made it in, uh, you know, like five, four or five hours. It was, we got there at like maybe 11 or so and shot until it started to get a little bit dark. And then... I went home and edited it the next day and um, made a few tweaks here and there. And then he launched the company and the video went out this week, which, you know, because we shot it a while ago. Uh -huh. And I, to be honest, I mean, I thought it was like, I, I think it's very funny. He's obviously perfect for the role. It's, you know, got a, a lot of fun bits that like are, you know, hard comedy kind of jokes and he does it in a confident way. But I will tell you that I had no idea that this was going to happen. Right. And Michael is really good in the video. He sort of reminds me of like like the bad guy in a Revenge of the Nerds movie. Like he's he's just really smarmy and confident and, and kind of great. And w was he always going to be the guy in the video? Yeah, he was. He's because he's a you know he performed comedy and you know he's a he's a really great performer. But uh, the fact that you know he had this company that he was going to be the face of it just made a ton of sense. I think if we had gone through casting, we would have ended up with him anyway. It's been compared a bit to the to the old spice style of advertising, I think. And, and what's interesting to it is it's it's almost like the inverse of old spice in that everything everything that happens in the video is kind of like a fail, you know, like the CEO like he can't hit the tennis ball, he yeah. can't cut the tape with a machete. Right. And the bear doesn't catch the package. And so was that how that was constructed initially? Um I I mean the old Spice stuff wasn't something that we necessarily were trying to emulate in any way. I think anytime you have somebody addressing camera really confidently these days, they say, oh, that's Old Spice. Um, right. You know, Kenny, uh, the Kenny Powers character for K-Swiss also has that kind of sensibility. Sure. Um, and, you know, that kind of zeitgeisty thing, I think, is, and there's a Dairy Queen ad of a similar kind of guy. So I, I won't say, I'll say that, you know, we didn't come out to emulate that. We just thought that it would be a fitting kind of concept for his brand. Um, and, yeah. you know, yeah, I, I, the, the failure aspect of it was something that, you know, we, there were jokes in there specifically that like he was obviously supposed to miss the tennis ball. The machete wasn't supposed to not cut it, but once that did happen and the bear did miss it, we were like, oh, that's way funnier. <laughs> so, right, yeah. We went with it. We knew in the moment, we're like, that's better. Let's do that instead. So what happens once this, this video is released? It's like the day this was released, like this, it just took off. In comparison to the Old Spice ad, I think um, with that, that was a Super Bowl ad, and then it became big online. Um, and this just became big online. Like, do you do you have any idea how how that happened the way it did? Like, it's it's it, it it almost seems like it was just discovered immediately. You know? Yeah. If I as for whether I had any idea of how or whatever, the answer is I have no idea. <laughs> um, I think you know. I think people just really you know liked it, and I thought I think that 
because I've tried to kind of like I'm you know Paul and I make a lot of videos and and some of them are very very successful some less so and making stuff like this and content for other places Paul and I did some stuff for the Emmy Awards and we're you know really like trying to make sure that it would be viral and the idea of making comedy to be viral is something that I just simply have no I, I don't understand it I don't know things that you know I think this absolutely deserved to go viral so I'm thrilled that it did but right trying to crack that that code is something that I've tried to do and I just have no idea how to do it but so I've just kind of decided just to do the stuff that I think is funny and if it goes viral I'm thrilled and if it doesn't there's going to be another video coming out so maybe that one will. <laughs> In terms of this video once once this hit the way that it did what's been sort of the the response towards you have you been getting like uh, have people been calling you and, and have there been offers of, you know to do other kind of videos like this? Yeah there have um, you know the the idea of, of directing commercials is something that I've been interested in doing for a long time. Um, and so this just makes it seem a little bit more... This is the first, like, outright commercial that right. I directed. So in that way, um, you know, people are, are seeming to feel like perhaps I should continue to do that, which is something I absolutely am interested in. How did you get into doing video? I, I met Paul Downs, who I make all my videos with. We continued through UCB together and... Um, we kind of decided, you know, at a certain point that we kind of wanted to make videos. And so we made, you know, a few videos here and there and we just did it more. And then, you know, suddenly people would be like, oh, we saw it, even though for quite a few years they got 800 hits. But, um, you know, if people would be like, oh, we saw that, that sketch, it was funny. And it was like, oh, man, we can get more views out of, or more, pe more people's eyeballs on one video that we made than, you know, putting up. A show at UCB for six months maybe we should and also you know other people were getting so much attention like the Derek guys were were getting tons of hits and, and stuff was kind of blowing up for them and it felt like a, a really you know a, a new way to kind of explore our, our stuff and so yeah we're like let's just do it and uh, we've been doing it more and more and I think we will be doing it even more and more. The Emmy thing that you just mentioned tell me about that and how that came about. The Emmy thing came about um, because the Emmy Awards, uh, the Primetime Emmy Awards Academy of, of those people, uh, were looking to do um, kind of video, digital shorts to um, appeal to kind of younger demographic to get them interested in watching the awards. And so Paul and I uh, were kind of um, asked to make some of those videos. And so we had had a few pitches and a few ideas, and we were able to pitch directly to the talent. Um, and so in preparation for the announcements, um, it was um, Melissa McCarthy was announcing the Emmy nominations. And so we pitched a few concepts directly to her. Um, and she was like, I like this one, the idea of being trained by the person who did it last year, which is Joel McHale. So the idea is that we're going to have Joel McHale train Melissa McCarthy to like get her prepared to do the nominations. So people call Joel's people, people call Melissa's people, they get it all together and they're like, great, we love it, let's do it. But the only time that we can do it is tomorrow morning at seven o'clock in the morning until 10 a.m. because Joel has to get on a plane to go somewhere. So we had just pitched the idea. We hadn't written the script, we had no crew, we had no location, we had nothing. And we were like, okay, cool, let's do it. Um, so the next, you know, until we shot, we didn't sleep. We were like writing, writing, writing. And of course, everybody has notes. Everybody has different ideas. And so we're like changing things on the spot. And, and it was just really, really crazy. And then it had to go live online like four days later. 
Um, so it was a, one of those things where like, I, it's like still in my brain, just like a weird memory of like flashes of things happening. Um, and then like me, like, sh- like shaking in front of an editing studio, editing bay, just be like, can I do this? But, um, <laughs> but in the end it, it came out and it was, uh, it, it did, uh, you know, it was relatively successful. And so then we were asked to do one for the actual Emmy Awards, um, which we did with some really great people. We shot here in LA with Megan Mullally and Kristen Chenoweth and Jack Kay. And then we shot in New York with Jeremy Piven. And um, that was also a situation where like basically all of it had to be done within a week. Um, and so, yeah, we did it and it was fun. And uh, I hope to do it again this year. So tell me about uh, the uh, the video that you wrote and directed called called Dildo Sport. Oh, why don't I? Well, so how did you come up with the idea and and, and 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 spoilers for the um, for the dildo sport video? So you managed to get uh, one of those those dildos attached to a small child at the end of the video. I, yes, we did. How did so, <laughs> so? Okay, tell me about the tell me about how the idea came about first, and then we'll talk the about that. The idea came about. I uh, I played tennis my whole life. I was um, a very uh, serious tennis player for many years, and so I was. I was in an altered state, that's as far as I can say about that. I was in an altered state and I'm falling asleep and just the idea of me playing tennis wearing a dildo just popped into my brain and I said to Paul, dildo, tennis wearing a dildo and he didn't know what that meant and then in the morning he was like, okay, so we got to talk about what what was that and then I was like, okay, so here's the idea is that it's athletes wearing dildos. And then from there, we kind of, we kind of, you know, tracked what that could be. And we wrote it together. Uh, you know, the idea that athlete, it's a, it's a commercial for a dildo, a dildo called dildo sport, where you wear it while you play sports. And the idea is that like, oh, there's all these technical reasons why it makes, why it makes you a better athlete. But the obvious reason is because your opponent is distracted by the fact that you're wearing a huge dildo. Right. So and it's colorful and yeah. And so you win. <laughs> so how did the uh, so that I mean the tag at the end with the yeah, with the kid, the kid wearing the I mean that's that's yeah. that's adorable and hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> how did that uh, happen? Dildo Sport Kids was this is the tagline is now available to those sport kids. Um, and so we have a like two and a half year old playing wiffle ball with a huge dildo on. Uh, his name so is did Michael. you just grab this kid and throw it no. on him, or how yeah. Did that... yeah? Then I went to jail. Um, no. We uh, put it on Craigslist. Put it on Craigslist. Need a kid, and then once we got responses. Um, by the way, we've done this in the past. If you say on Craigslist, no to pedophiles. <laughs> if you put on Craigslist that you need a kid, you will get so many photographs of children. <laughs> and so once we got responses, we said, hey, so here's the actual idea. This is what will actually be happening. Here's the script, just so you're comfortable. And um, most people were comfortable with that they thought it was you know reasonably funny and so uh we just chose a kid that we thought was really cute who has actually since been in in videos uh with us he was one of the children in the original real house as of south boston so are his brothers so he's a recurring a recurring polylu actor um and uh yeah so we went to a park and put a dildo on him and he played wiffle ball and it was that was that did you have to do that really quickly like Yeah, every single, pretty much everything that we had shot, we shot without permission. And so every shot that we did, we had to 
hurry up. So we went to a public pool for that swimmer who wears a dildo. <laughs> Very early. We, we thought, hey, if we show up at 7 a.m., there will be nobody there. We'll go and shoot. It'll be fine. There were so many people there. <laughs> and uh, the the um, guy in charge here was like, no, you cannot do it. Don't stop it. Stop it. And we're like, okay, we'll stop. He's like, okay, 15 minutes. And so, and so shot, we had basically one or two takes for, for each of those shots. But Sarah Jensen, Sarah Jane Jensen, who's the, the swimmer in that, just nailed it. And um, Jillian Lee, who plays the opponent swimmer, also just nailed it. And that was the first time that we had worked with Chris Westland, who's our DP, who shoots everything we've done here in L.A. So for the last year, everything we've done. He also just nailed it. And that was the first video we did with him. And once we saw what he could do under pressure, we were like, that's our dude. And what are you guys typically shooting on? Five D or seven D or both, but five D, yeah. And that's what you shot. You shot the um, the Dollar Shave Club video on the five D. Yeah, that was on the five D with steady cam. The song at the end of the video is is so amazing. Um, Karate. By yeah. Kim. Yeah. How, how did that? How did you guys find that? What? How did that come about? That was uh, Mike's dream song. I think before he even told me what he wanted to do, I think he just sent me that song. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I think. Oh, I want to find it, but I think he just wrote, "Feel it." <laughs> and then just attach that song. <laughs> and the the dance at the end that he does is that uh, did it take a couple uh, takes to get there? Or was that just like right off the bat he was doing he, that? That was what he was doing. I think that he. I think that was also one where maybe we have three takes of it total, and we were kind of like, "That's got to be it," because the the warehouse has all these windows, and so the sun was going down, and we had no you know no choice. We were just kind of like, "This is it or this isn't it." Um, we had to pick up all that fa- that fake money three or four times they keep throwing it back in the air but because it was a real warehouse the floor is really dirty and so we had to keep picking up all this dirty money and throwing it back in the air <laughs> it was pretty gross so that warehouse is that housing other uh other uh, oh, products as well or is so it- much stuff you know that first shot where you see the background of all these like weird things on the wall yeah that's the actual office of the warehouse and those are all the things that they package Including one of them, and I'm probably getting this wrong, but one of them was like the, one of the original Barbie Barbies was was packaged there. Wow, yeah, wouldn't like that be a- weird if they had like the dildo sport <laughs> there? Oh yeah, I mean that we had to go to a sex shop to buy that thing. It was like, you know, we had to explain to the people there what we were really looking for. Right? W- w- did you have in mind when you were doing that, like you want the most like garish, colorful yeah. dildos ever? It's something that wasn't that like. Um, intimidating and that's something like less sexual and more sporty (laughs) (laughs) right a a very sporty dildo which definitely comes across yeah uh, they were like oh totally get it so we had to stray away from the extra realistic the other thing that you do with Paul Downs that's that's I think a lot of fun is the um, you you guys do this uh, VJ character oh Yvigenina Yavskaya TV's favorite VJ Yvigenina Yavskaya yeah. So how did that how did that character come about? Uh, so okay. So Paul does this other character, which is To Do, which is Turkey's number one hit pop star. Back in New York, we had done this full on music video for this pop star, which is also one of my favorite things that he does. Um, which has also been a part of his. So he did a show at UCB, and he also did it in New York and LA, and he also did parts of it in the, the Montreal Comedy Festival. But um, this to, this Turkish pop star that 
is like super sexual about everything, no matter what it is, he's just sexual about it. And you know, it feels like a lot of these cross language crossover pop stars have their like translations are just like off and weird. And so he really wanted to like, you know, exploit that or, you know, heighten that. And so he does this character to do Turkey number one hit pop star. And so when we finish the video, we're like, you know, there's a lot, a lot of context here about like, this is MTV Europe and about the character. So maybe if we do a little bit of an intro, it'll kind of, you know, give it some context and maybe that'll make it a little bit easier for people to digest because it's a little bit um, off the wall. And so I was, we were like, okay, well, what is a, what's an MTV Europe VJ? And literally he just said, hey guys, it's me, Vigenevskaya. And it just like, it was no building it. You know, she just was fully, she was born a full human. Um, and so he puts, throws on a blonde wig and some super bright makeup these weirdo purple glasses. Cause you know, in Europe, there's always these like weird colored glasses that people wear. And uh, he has this weird shirt on that says, you know, American dance club or something. And uh, he has this crazy voice. Hey guys. Yeah. And that, that's a catchphrase. <laughs> hey guys. And oh my God. I mean, I've known, known, <laughs> been instrument with the character for years now and I still, I can't get enough. It really is. Yeah, favorite. you you actually do a pretty good. I mean, it's almost like she's here when you're doing it. <laughs> oh no no no! Trust me, I do her no justice whatsoever. So um, what was the the there, there's one with Jessica Alba? Yeah, uh, and and there's a a Quark cam, <laughs> and how did that come about? And what is that? And how did that come about? Okay, so the video came about. Well, Jessica um, had tweeted, I think, the to do music video, um, but she she and Paul have been. Um, friends for a little bit for a while mm -hmm. um and so she tweeted the to do music video and paul was like hey do you want to you know ever do something with your virginity of sky would you want to be interviewed by her and he was she was like uh for sure so when she was in new york um you know they connected and she was like i'm in my hotel room i'm going to dinner in an hour can you guys do you want to do it now and he's like yeah so we run up there shoot it super super fast i mean like maybe 20 minutes we the lighting is atrocious because i didn't have time to grab any lights and it was just me so we were running sound and two cameras and it was just me and so i was like Ugh, the light looks so bad but anyways i digress um so the quark cramp quark, uh, quark cam was just based off something he improvised which is quark cream the best cream for your quark keep your quark creamy which what does that mean nobody knows <laughs> so the idea is that quark is like some cream that you use in europe i guess yeah, so he, you know, the cork cam is the, the camera sponsored by cork cream. <laughs> Just I love how it's how it's like black and white and it's like under him. Yeah, that's the other thing is I feel like in MTV Europe they have these like weirdo camera angles. And so the idea is like it's underneath him and so you're mostly just getting his jaw. Um, <laughs> and he like looks down at it like <laughs> like and, and, and addresses it. Yeah, like it's, God, he's just so funny, yeah. Sometimes I feel like I just turn the camera on and he just does his thing. And the fact that I get any credit for it is just unbelievable. Well, is it, is it, uh, is it tough to edit those? Because I, I'd imagine that, <clears throat> excuse me, he's just going through all these different kind of, um, you know, all, the, all these different riffs. I mean, is it, is it hard to pick out the right ones? It is something that we spend a lot of time, like, you know, figuring out what is, what is you know, kind of just for the story or what is just being indulgent. And I think when shooting anything that has elements of improv, you know, like we really try to keep 
it on, you know, keep it like supporting the story and not just something that's like, oh, it's funny to watch you do this and so let's just watch you do this for 10 minutes. And I think that's like something that, you know, is a thing that's happening generally in movies now is that there's a lot of improvised stuff going on and they tend to just riff on it forever and keep it going. And I, and I kind of miss, you know, movies that were like super tight and, you know, just funny for funny uh, bits or setups or anyways, I digress. But yes, it's a little bit tough to edit those, but we try to keep it, keep the magic while also keeping it moving forward. Mm -hmm. So what do you think about that, that style of comedy where it's, um, I think a lot of the Judd Apatow movies um, might be what you're thinking about it. Like where, you know, where a lot of um, comedies kind of go off on these tangents and, and that kind of becomes the comedy set piece is these, these sort of riffs that don't really uh, relate to the story too much. Yeah, I think that, you know, those, and I mean, yeah, I suppose Apatow's a, um, Judd Apatow, as if I know him. I do not know him. <laughs> oh, yeah, Judd does that. Oh, God. Obviously, I mean, I'm, you know, he's great. I love his movies and a lot of those kinds of movies by other people who do that kind of stuff. I mean, yeah, I think it's kind of like, I feel like, you know, you once you're on board with those actors and you just love those people, of course, you just want to see them having fun and being funny. And like, I, I totally get that. And I like that stuff too but I also you know do kind of miss the days and I was just talking about this um recently with Dan but my friend Dan Rich, but uh about like Tommy Boy and how like that is a movie where it's just so tight there's no like you know that there's no David Spade improv in that and that you know those are kind of the the movies that I I, I really miss kind of that tightness too I I like both I think it's definitely about finding a balance which is something that we do a lot is trying to find at least a balance that we're comfortable with that doesn't feel too indulgent, but also, you know, keeps it fun, funny. What What were the kind of comedies that you liked growing up? I loved, I loved Tommy Boy. I loved, um, I mean, I did. I loved Adam Sandler's, you know, all those um, Happy Gilmore. I watched a million times. I don't know. I, I, I watched Back to the Future so much that I did left very little time to watch anything else, to be honest. I was so obsessed with Back to the Future that I wrote my senior thesis on it. I wrote my senior thesis on, I wanted to just write it on like an in-depth, like analysis of Back to the Future part two. And my advisor, Annette Insdorf, who's this like really well-regarded film criticism author. She writes about like film and the Holocaust. And she writes about like, she's really heavy, intelligent. She's just, you know, this brilliant woman. And I go in there and I'm like, oh, I want to write about Back to the Future Part 2. Best movie, man. I love that thing. Ha, ha, ha. And so I go on this whole tangent about it. And I, I, I'm, get, I'm talking like 20 minutes about like why I wanted to write it, what I wanted to write about. And she she's making herself a hot chocolate as I'm talking about about my love for Back to the Future Part 2. And I finally finish and I'm like practically out of breath. And she looks up at me and she goes, damn. I only meant to put in half a packet. <laughs> uh, and I was like, okay. Cool. <laughs> and so she ended up kind of making me write about, I mean, I still wrote about Back to the Future, but I wrote about it in a, in a more film criticism way about like, you know, the idea of traveling in time and why it's a kind of storyline that happens in a lot of movies, which is still fine, still fun. But Back to the Future, not a comedy per se, but... What were you pitching her on? Um, in terms of your your essay, was this at Columbia, by the way? Yes, yeah, Columbia. Yeah. So you so you were at Columbia, and you were what? What did you study there? Did you study film criticism? Film studies, yeah. A lot of time 
watching a lot of movies and reading a lot and writing, you know, 30 page papers for every class. Um, and, you know, like that was a great thing. And I, I'm glad I did it. And I, I, it was interesting and I learned a lot. Um, but I was really itching to, you know, shoot stuff and do stuff. And, and that wasn't really there for me. And so that's why I think I kind of like ended up making videos later in life. Do you think you got anything out of uh, going to uh, going to a film studies program like that? I do. I think that um, you know, I, I took a lot of classes on like the the right way to write a screenplay, or you know, there were really professors there. I took a lot of classes with this guy Andrew Saris, who's this film. Oh yeah, yeah, he's yeah. He's like, a big, big big film criticism guy. And I took a lot of classes with him, any class I could, because. Um, one, he was just extremely entertaining and had a lot of great stories. Um, but he also, I felt like, you know, his real point was that, you know, movies are meant to be enjoyed. And he kind of brought that, like, loftiness of film criticism down to a place where I really felt it was, like, you know, tangible and accessible. And so I think even just for him alone, he really taught me a lot about... Um, you know, what movies could be and who they could be for and, and why they, they should be good. And also, since, you know, of Andrew Saris, mm -hmm. I just moved to New York um, a few days before 9-11, and I was in his office when the second tower went down, and so I sat with Andrew Saris during 9-11. That's just a sidebar. But that's... Wow, well, that's interesting. After you graduated from Columbia, what was your what was your path? Did you kind of immediately go into, into improv? Yeah, I did. I, I left um, New York for a few months to, uh, I lived in upstate New York with my best friend, Yuki, who's actually um, an editor here in LA now, um, film editor. Um, and she, her parents were teaching at Hamilton College and so they were in Japan for the semester. And so we just lived at her parents' house and I like wrote a really terrible screenplay and I worked at a video store and I like taught tennis. And uh, that's what I did for a few months. And then I came back to New York the first thing I did... Well, what kind of screenplay did you write? I wrote... Basically, it was Gossip Girl, but if Gossip Girl happened in a farm town, like a girl from that world was supplanted in a very rural area, much like where I grew up in Western Massachusetts. Right. This is like a fish out of water kind of yeah. story. But still like, you know, sex and drugs and cool stuff. <laughs> was it a comedy? Uh, I mean, I read it now and I laugh, but no. <laughs> so it was a hard-hitting expose of this no, girl. It, was, it, was, it had, yeah, it was like a dark comedy. I was, I, that's something I should say is I was really into Heathers. I love that movie, Heathers. Oh, I love it too. Yeah, that's great. The influence. Um, so yeah, I was kind of in that kind of vein. But and I, was that the only screenplay that you've written? No, I've written, I wrote a, a feature recently um, about a... Uh, kind of loser, as 20-something loser who um, from New York who moves back in with her. She crashes at her little sister's um, dorm uh, who just started her freshman year mm -hmm. and go to a party and she accidentally takes acid and wakes up three days later a campus legend. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that is uh, great just for, yeah. Are you looking to, to get that made? Uh, yeah, I am. Paul and I have written a few things um, that together as well that um, we're kind of, yeah, getting, getting some more pitching here and there, yeah. So what do you think you've learned, um, if anything, about comedy from doing these videos and editing them and, and putting them together 
for people to watch online and, and getting instant feedback from them. I um, spent, I mean, I, you know, Paul and I edit all of our videos and I think that it's the thing that I have learned that, that like I think doing that has taught me more about comedy than anything else maybe that I've done. I think that learning how to take content that you've written and then you shot and then learning like watching it happen, like watching the footage of it and trying to figure out like the timing of it has taught me more about like what is excessive in writing and what is like, what is really important to include, what's not to include. Like, I, I think it's just taught me more about writing than anything else to try to make the stuff that I've written into like a final project, that middle step is really crucial. And I think if I was starting out, um, you know, writing comedy, I would say try to shoot that stuff, even if it's on a, an iPhone and uh, try to edit it, even if you don't put it out just to, to learn, you know, to like kind of get used to the timing of it all. It's just, I think, a really great tool. And I'm really glad that I, I did that. Do you ever uh, kind of look at something that you've done and, and want to go back to it and, and kind of re uh, kind of play around with the, with some of the cuts? Oh my God! Yeah, we just watched actually that Eugenia Yevskaya one that we mentioned early with Jessica Alba, and we found a take of something that he does, where he basically there's an awkward moment and he looks into all five cameras like individually, and it's just so, it took, takes him like a while, but then he has this like painted on face and he just does looks at all of them and goes back and it is the funniest thing I've ever seen, and I can't believe that we didn't include it, and I kind of want to just include that one take but just put that one moment online, but. Do you guys ever think about, uh, think about those characters and maybe kind of develop, developing them into a, like a longer thing or like a, maybe a feature or something like that? Yeah, I think Yvigenia um, Yevskaya, which is something that now we've referred to a bunch, but she's yeah. something that we're definitely, I think going to be, you're, we're gonna be using her in future things, um, for sure. I don't know exactly what it will end up being, but that is something that we're continuing to explore. Also, um, we do this web series with um, Jess Allen um, called uh, Real Housewives of South Boston with some really funny women, Jackie Clark and Jessica um, Chaffin and Jamie Denbo, that we would really love to make a, a really low budget feature. Um, and that's something that we, if anybody's listening, let's do it. Thank you so much, Lucia. Am I saying your name right, Lucia? Yeah, it's perfect. Okay, excellent. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. It was fun. And that was the wonderful Lucia and Yellow. Thank you so much for listening. You can find me on Twitter at SwayProd. Uh, you can find this show on SwayProductions.com and on iTunes. Uh, if you enjoy the show, please uh, leave us a, a rating or, uh, or even a comment. It doesn't even have to be long. It can be, uh, it can be one word. It can be one sentence. Uh, just something to uh, to let us know that you're uh, you're enjoying the show as it raises our profile on iTunes. If you have any questions or comments, please email me at ron at swayproductions.com. Please put Spotcast in the subject matter. This is Ron Small saying goodbye. <laughs>